from the WIA. This is the weekly national news service originating from VK1 WIA. Good morning, this is WIA National News for week commencing August 11th, 2013. I'm Robert, VK3DN. And I'm Brian, VK3GR. G'day, Rob. G'day, Brian. Well, we've got the broadcast for this week and next whilst Graham is away and we uh, hope that Graham has a great time off. Thank you, Graham, and thank you, listeners, for being here. And uh, yes, we're back. Where yeah. shall we begin? We begin with uh, WIA President Phil Waite. And uh, Phil's got an update on the high power trial. Thanks, Robert. As all participants in the high-power trial will know, it ends on Sunday the 31st of August in a few weeks. At a meeting between the WIA and ACMA on Monday the 5th, the ACMA told the Institute that arrangements put in place to authorise the use of high-power will not be made permanent. However, the door has not slammed on this matter completely because following lengthy discussions, the ACMA agreed to the WIA's request to revisit the matter, which will happen next year. I know this will be a disappointment to many advanced licensees, not the least for those who participated in the trial over the past year. The WIA is also disappointed. The ACMA revealed that its decision was reached after reviewing data obtained during an assessment process that began back in March this year. According to the ACMA, the trial demonstrated a lack of awareness by some advanced licensees of their license conditions. Of particular concern to the ACMA were issues related to compliance with electromagnetic energy requirements. And this lack of awareness is not confined to the use of higher power than the 400 watts already permitted. The ACMA said that the results of the trial demonstrate there is a need to raise awareness among licensees of their license conditions, and that this should not be confined to advanced licensees adding that the ACMA looks forward to working with the WIA to achieve that objective. I might add that radio amateurs are not being signalled out here. Compliance with electromagnetic energy requirements applies to all apparatus licensees, including broadcasting, marine services and others. The ACMA also remarked that the lack of awareness of electromagnetic energy compliance generally among other licensees was a problem. To address this issue and to prepare for another approach to ACMA next year, the Institute has begun implementing plans to promote widespread awareness of the necessary compliance with electromagnetic energy requirements for amateur stations. Electromagnetic radiation is not just a technical issue, it is also a political issue among sectors of the community, as you may be aware, and we as licensed amateurs need to be very mindful of that. I would like to thank the members of the Spectrum Strategy Committee for their diligent work over the course of the High Power Trial. Peter Young, VK3MV, Doug MacArthur, VK3UM, Noel Higgins, VK3NH, and Roger Harrison, VK2ZRH. This is Phil Waite, VK2ASD for the WIA. Thank you, Phil. And here's the first story. Your wireless gear, soon to be obsolete, and Audio Technology Magazine has a plan. The government's Spectrum sell-off will see an estimated 150,000 wireless devices around the country being made obsolete. Clearly, this isn't just an industry problem. Around 150,000 wireless audio devices currently in use, and that's four in every five, will need to be scrapped. The cost to replace? Up to $220 million. To continue to use the radio mics beyond December 31st, 2014, users will need to ensure the device operates between 520 and 694 megahertz or 
buy new equipment that will operate within the new approved spectrum. If you operate illegally, then under the 1992 Radio Communications Act, it could mean a hefty fine. If you replace your equipment, you'll be doing so without any compensation whatsoever. But how to express your outrage? Google AWAG, AWAG has an online petition which will allow us to collectively get the government's attention. www.wirelessaudioaustralia.org And you can find that link in the text edition of the news broadcast. Well, Brian, as you know, I'm uh, into audio production in a professional sense. I've recently uh, picked up some new handheld radio microphones and they're within the new frequency bands. But this is a real problem. Uh, 150,000 wireless devices. You know the handheld radio mics we got at the club? Yes. Out of band. Can't use them. Can't use those. So even for our club, we would have to go out and buy new. But that's not just our club. It's every church and um, pub and club that has wireless uh, mics. Okay, Australia's most powerful computer has been unveiled in a boost for scientists who crunch vast amount of data to make forecasts and pinpoint extreme weather. The Australian National University, or ANU in Canberra, has named the supercomputer Raijin after the Japanese god of thunder, lightning and storms. The machine weighs in at 70 tonnes and has 57,000 processing cores, the equal of about 15,000 laptop computers and 160 terabytes of memory, the equivalent of about 30,000 laptops. And again, you can pick up the URL for that story in the text edition of this news broadcast. Ragin. Ragin, Rob. It actually sounds like the Japanese god of going out on Saturday nights. And if it weighs 70 tonnes, when you're saying that... I thought we were back in 1954 again. That's a monster machine. Okay, RD, the final reminder. And uh, thanks to VK4SN, the uh, contest manager, for this uh, information. This is the last reminder for the Remembrance Day contest next weekend, the 17th and 18th of August. There are six points to note. Number one, please read the rules and info on our website. Two, remember the start and finish times are 0300 Zulu. Number three... Please try and use the supplied computer loggers and not the Excel spreadsheets. It's much easier to use a logger than to stuff up a spreadsheet. Number four, please nominate your team members to me prior to the start of the contest. Five, remember that the exchange is the number of years as a ham and not a serial number. And above all, number six, please remember those who paid the ultimate sacrifice. Because the International Lighthouse Weekend is on the same weekend, may I suggest calling CQ Remembrance Day or CQ Lighthouse, depending on your choice of activity. I wish you a great time in the Remembrance Day, and please send me a log after the contest. 73s, and I hope to exchange numbers with you soon. This is Alan, VKE4SN, Remembrance Day Contest Manager. Thank you for that, Alan. And hams across Australia, starting in VK2. Amateur Radio New South Wales recently conducted their regular foundation course and assessments. There were four undertaking the course and six various assessments. All were successful. Congratulations from us. And the next course from ARNSW will be the weekend of the 21st and 22nd of September. So uh, book in for that, or if you know anybody, bookings by email to education at arnsw.org.au. And here's another one from VK2, Sarkfest today. So if you're listening... Jump in the car and get down there if you're near the area. 
This is going to be a great day in the Northern Rivers of VK2 with the annual Summerland Amateur Radio Club Sarkfest starting at 9am. All the regular items will be there for sale along with educational and historic communication displays by the members. The Federal Local Member of Parliament, Janelle Safin, will be opening the festival between 1 and 2pm. So come along for a great day at Sarkfest 2013. That's today, August 11th, at the Sark Club Rooms, 414 Richmond Hill Road, Richmond Hill. New and fun contest. Recently, the Manly Warringah Radio Society made a bulk purchase of portable flagpoles for use as antenna masts. And this inspired the club to create a new radio contest, specifically aimed at encouraging fun portable operations, preferably using a flagpole as part of your antenna system. Full details are on the contest or on the club's website at www.mwrs.org.au. But here are a few key points. Firstly, that it's a fun contest and not to be taken too seriously. Any mode and any frequency is permitted. Extra points will be awarded for contacts with flagpole stations. More extra points for contacts with F calls. Or maybe that should be called flagpole calls. Hi, hi. (laughs) Even more extra points will be awarded for submitting by email, SSTV or any other means a photo of your station showing your station's flagpole. There will be calling frequencies on 40 and 80 metres as well as the club 2 metre repeater for those of you in Sydney with VHF access only. The first MWRS flagpole contest will take place on the 21st of September because this date is close to International Talk-In to a Pirate Day, that's on the 19th. Extra points will be awarded if your station photo includes a Jolly Roger or any other humorous flag of your choice. Details again at the web club's website in the text edition of this news service. Just enter flagpole in the search box. Now to VK3, Ballarat Amateur Radio Group Hanvention, 20 October. The Ballarat Amateur Radio Group Hanvention is an annual event where traders set up to sell new, used and pre-loved radio communications equipment, antennas, test equipment and parts. Entry for all is 6 bucks per person, under 15 free. Traders tables, $10 each, food available, doors open 10am. For more info, contact hanvention2013 at barg.org.au. And here's another one, the SDARC Comms Day and Hamfest. Not just a Hamfest, but a Comms Day as well. The Shepparton and District Amateur Radio Club's annual Comms Day slash Hamfest will be held on Sunday the 8th of September at St Augustine's Hall or Street, Shepparton. It's the usual venue and doors will open at 10 for the public, 8am for traders. And then you can check out the Vic Roads map, uh, 273, reference M8 to get there. And now to VK5, the VK5 National Conservation Parks Award. The VK5 National and Conservation Parks Award, sponsored by the Adelaide Hills Amateur Radio Society, has now been running for approximately four months. The award encourages portable operation from within South Australia's 21 national parks and 262 conservation parks. The award is issued at five different levels, bronze, silver, gold, platinum and diamond. The award is open to activators, those that brave the elements and activate a park, hunters, those that work activators, and shortwave listeners. Certificates are issued for each level, with a different photograph appearing on the certificate at the different levels. A glass-edged trophy is also available to those operators reaching diamond status. Recently, a park-to-park category was also initiated, and certificates are also awarded for reaching certain levels for park-to-park contacts. 
Since the award commenced on the 14th of April, over 50 different national and conservation parks have been activated in South Australia. And this is despite the fact that the majority of this time has been the cold winter months. One gold, two silver and two bronze activator certificates have been issued to VK5 operators and three gold, six silver and six bronze hunter certificates have been issued to VK3 and VK5 operators. Additionally, one park-to-park -park certificate has been issued. More detailed information on the award can be found on the Adelaide Hills Amateur Radio Society website at www.ahars.com.au and there is also a Yahoo group which you can join for free. To celebrate the six-month anniversary of the award, a special activation weekend will be held on Saturday the 19th and Sunday the 20th of October 2013. Amateurs are encouraged to dust off their portable equipment and enjoy the outdoors for a few hours and activate a VK5 National Park or a VK5 Conservation Park or two over the October weekend period. Thanks for listening. I'm Paul, VK5 Papa Alpha Sierra, on behalf of the Adelaide Hills Amateur Radio Society. From the WIA, this is the weekly national news service originating from VK1 WIA. And thanks for that, Paul. Brian, what use is an F call? But I reckon a guy called Ono can tell me. What use is an F call? The excitement of participating in an amateur radio event, be it social, educational, competitive or otherwise, is something that I've not seen or experienced in any other hobby. Every amateur I interact with has a different history, a different bent, a different itch that they like to scratch. Some come to the hobby to design, build and use their inventions. Others come here to test their mettle against that of other amateurs across the globe. Some come for the socialising and others for the mental agility they get from interacting with fellow enthusiasts. I spent a year and a half trying to share with you what amateur radio is all about. It's from my perspective to be sure, but I try and find ways of highlighting different aspects of this all-encompassing hobby. I've yet to put my finger on it, but there is something about amateur radio that other hobbies don't seem to have. Of course, it's entirely possible that I've lived a sheltered life, but this crazy collection of people from all walks of life bring together something that is greater than the sum of its parts. I know that people who are not amateurs look at me and shake their head, even those who are do that on occasion, but what I mean is that it's hard to see how big this field of amateur radio really is until you dip your toe in the water and have a go at getting wet. I spent a most enjoyable night recently talking about propagation, about the grey line, about long and short paths, about hard-to-get countries and more easily obtained contacts, all while sitting in a shack, listening to the radio, hearing people around us talk and communicate with each other. Perhaps it's the talking that attracts me. I've never been short of a word, but I have to confess, amateur radio seems to make sense to me in ways that other pursuits did not. I was going to add, if only I met an amateur when I was younger, but perhaps that's superfluous. When was the last time you shared your sense of wonder with someone? I'm Ono, Victor Kilo 6, Foxtrot Lima Alpha Bravo. International news with thanks to the IARU, RSGB, SIRL, Southgate Amateur Radio Club, the ARRL, Amateur Radio Newsline, NZART, IR Victoria and the worldwide sources of the WIA.
Nordic HF Conference, August the 12th to the 14th in Sweden. The popular English-language Nordic HF Conference will take place in Sweden from the August the 12th to the 14th. Topics to be covered will include the design of a software-defined radio, an ionospheric chirp sounder for HF propagation analysis, creation of applications of advanced VLF, LF and HF digital signal processing in the amateur radio service, and numerous other offerings. More information, including a complete program and speaker listing, is on the web at nordichf.org. Monitoring Times magazine to cease publication at the end of 2013. This, as publisher Bob Grove, W8JHD, tells contributors in an email that after 33 years, he and his wife Judy have decided to retire. In his notice, Grove said that a combination of a downturned economy, as well as the ready availability of free listening and technical information on the internet, has reduced sales and subscriptions throughout the marketplace. Therefore, Monitoring Times will be shutting down all operations after its December 2013 issue. The impending closure of Monitoring Times leaves CQ Publishing's Popular Communications as the magazine serving the burgeoning shortwave listeners, CBers and the scanning enthusiast market alone. To special event stations DX, Beacon and Net Advice, a new 6 metre beacon for South Africa. The South African Radio League will activate a new propagation beacon on 5250 kHz by the end of August. Its transmitter will be programmed to send signals at regular intervals and radio amateurs who have the proper software will be able to record these signals automatically on their computers. An article that explains the full operation will be posted on the propagation research page on www sarl.org.za and thanks to the GB2RS News for that article. Nine operations approved for DXCC credit. Bill Moore, NC1L, the awards manager of the ARRL, has announced a plethora of operations that have been approved for DXCC credit. These are the 2013 4S7 NZG operation from Sri Lanka, the current W4XR operation in Laos, the one-day July 9th 780ID operation from South Sudan and the 2012 and 2013 9M4SLL operations from the Spratly Island. Also now approved is the 2010 through 2011 9Q6CC operation from the Democratic People's Republic of Congo, the 2013 XWOYJY operation from Laos, the 2013 9XOEME from Rwanda and the 600LA from Somalia. Last but not least is the 2012 T6JM operation from Afghanistan. According to NC1L, if you've had any of these rejected in a prior application, send a note to bemore at arrl.org. Here's a couple of quick ones. European Russia. Special event station R2009IT is active until August 31st to pay tribute to the military aerobatics pilot Igor Verchchenko, who died in a collision in 2009 QSL via RN3 DHL and 5H3BB Tanzania until the 20th of August. Not much left there. Operation will be mainly on sideband on 40, 20, 17 and 15 with a possibility of some CW. QSL for 5H3BB via... KF8 UN home call. 
and to awards. The Taranaki Award will run from the 10th of August to the 15th of August 2013 inclusive. It's available to all amateurs and shortwave listeners. Contacts may be made on any band, any mode, and each station may be worked once only for each separate application for the award. It it requires a compulsory contact with special station ZL6RFA. They'll give you five points. And then there's a range of three bonus points for a range of stations listed in the text edition of the new service. A copy of a log and a fee of $5 is required to arrive before the 31st of August 2013. And total points needed for the award is 25 points. The Don Wilkinson Memorial Contest will be running in conjunction with the Taranaki Award. Full details about these and other awards are available on the NZART website, nzart.org.nz. Now to worldwide special interest groups, starting with ILLW. Things heat up for the ILLW. August the 17th and 18th, that's next Saturday and Sunday, is certain to have a record number of portable amateur radio stations in the International Lighthouse and Lightship Weekend. The milestone 400th registration goes to Australia's Carpentaria CLS-4 Lightship, one of 17 vessels in the fun event that has so far attracted 450 entries from 42 countries. The Scottish-designed Australian-built lightship moored at the National Maritime Museum in Sydney's Darling Harbour will be put to air by the Hornsby and District Amateur Radio Club VK2MA. Now in its 16th year, the event increases public awareness of the old form of maritime navigation, engenders goodwill and promotes amateur radio. Most registrations came from Australia, Germany, USA, England, Argentina, Sweden, Malaysia, Netherlands, Scotland, Canada, and South Africa. Not a bad list. But no matter where you are in Europe, Africa, Asia, Australasia, or the Americas, there will be plenty to contact, and many of them offering a special QSL card. To register a lighthouse, lightship, or marine beacon for August the 17th and 18th, and see the event guidelines please visit the website www.illw.net. From the WIA, this is the weekly national news service originating from VK1 WIA. Worldwide Special Interest Group's ATV, the World Digital ATV QSO Party. The event held this month through the Melbourne Geelong Repeater VK3 RTV has already been joined on the Saturday by the vast Californian W6ATN network with its anchor Donhill KE6BXT. It will include across to Ken Kanichi, W6HHC of the Orange County Amateur Radio Club with his update on the DATV Express project. This is a digital ATV system being developed by US and British radio amateurs that will be capable of the new visual transmission method, promising to be a very interesting project indeed. The event initiated by Peter Cosson's VK3BFG in 2011 will be on the Friday the 20th from 8pm to Saturday the 31st of August at 10am, with the days and scheduling all in Australian Eastern Standard Time. European stations are yet to be confirmed, although we streamed through the British Amateur Television Club plus the use of Skype. Among the Australians are those in Brisbane through the DATV repeater VK4RKC, from Tasmania, Winston Nichols VK7EM, 
the Bendigo Specimen Hill ATV Repeater VK3RBO, the Footprint VK3RTV Repeater Gang and many others. Digital ATV QSO party transmissions are often a relatively short and show-and-tell in nature, either direct via VK3RTV or relayed through Skype from stations anywhere. Worldwide Special Interest Group's Rescue Radio, Wyson, New South Wales, Hunter Region, was due to be involved in a horse enduro event in mid-August. Due to the Hendra virus being identified in the area, this has been cancelled. Hendra virus is a deadly virus that affects horses and humans with a very high fatality rate. When it's discovered, quarantine procedures are put in place, which severely limits the movement of horses in and out of the impact zone. Therefore, the next Wyson event in the Hunter is the memory walk and jog at Spears Point on the 8th of September. Radio New Zealand AM signal failed after July the 21st quake. Radio New Zealand's AM emergency notification radio service was unable to broadcast civil defence messages for about 20 minutes after the 6.5 magnitude quake on Sunday evening the 21st of July. Radio New Zealand spokesman John Barr said the problem was caused when a fuse went out in the Perura coastal suburb of Tatihi Bay. Barr said that the company had a technician there very quickly to rectify the situation. He noted that the outage was isolated to the AM broadcast operation and did not hamper with other civil defence capacity. Barr added that Radio New Zealand had continued to operate their FM frequency on television through Sky and Freeview. New Zealand authorities recommend that the public tune to the civil defence recommended frequencies on 101 FM and this is what the standard FM emergency notification frequency around most of that country. Wasn't it our, our local uh, repeater here in uh, Melbourne, one of the uh, UHF repeaters that blew a fuse somehow? More than once, I, I understand. Yeah, I don't know who was involved in... Uh, I think they call that uh, high-duty cycle. <laughs> Something like that. Overworked, underpaid, like us, Brian. Okay, to SOTA. Last week we told you something of SOTA. Well, SOTA is certainly growing. The organisation of SOTA in Australia is based on VK call areas. SOTA was launched in February 2012 in VK3, followed by VK5 later that year and VK1 in February 2013. What about other states? SOTA in VK2 is well advanced and within a few weeks we hope to be able to submit an application for registration of VK2 as a SOTA association. On current information, the VK2 list will have over 800 summits for activators to walk up. The timing is not guaranteed, but we expect VK2 to be on the air by summer, if not earlier. VK7 and VK4 are likely to be lodging their summit lists soon as well. There is discussion in VK6, and it will be quite interesting to hear contacts being made between activators in VK6 and either activators or chasers in the east. As power levels are typically low, extra attention is paid to antenna efficiency by the activators. There is intense discussion about the best power supplies for various radios. Weight versus battery capacity, etc. is the trade-off. The summits on the various VK9 islands are few, but they have been registered already. So the recent VK9NT operation from Norfolk Island caused quite a stir amongst the SOTA enthusiasts. The VK1 SOTA Association is organising a simultaneous activation of as many summits as possible today, Sunday the 11th of August. 
Operation on 2-metre FM and 40-metre single sideband will find a sudden increase in activity that morning in VK1. For more information about SOTA, see sota.org.uk and join the SOTA Australia group on Yahoo Groups to keep up with the SOTA scene in Australia. Really has taken off, hasn't it, mate? We've had a, a presentation at the club about that and I um, always thought that I'd get involved with it, but uh, I, I know it doesn't have to, but the interesting part for me would be to walk up the hills and uh, listeners, you can probably see a photo of me on the WIA website and you'll see that I don't walk up many hills. Rewind. Um, let's look. take a look back at history, Brian. Yes, a changing topic probably is needed. The Voice of America, Delano, California story. An oldie but a goodie from radio's recent past. If you've ever had the chance to listen to the Voice of America shortwave station that operated from Delano, California, and can recall its booming signal up and down the West Coast and out into the Pacific, here's the story of how it all came about. Also, the way it operated for 63 years and its final nondescript sign-off at 0330 UTC on October 28, 2007. There's even an amateur radio tie-in when one of the station's 200-kilowatt federal radio transmitters showed up on the ham radio airwaves calling CQ. We won't spoil it by telling you more. Rather, make yourself a snack, sit back and relax and take your web browser to tinyurl.com forward slash the-vla-delano-story for a great evening of reading. And of course that uh, URL, even though it's a tiny URL, is available in the text edition of this news service. Well, we're almost at the end of the broadcast, Brian, but uh, we've got time for this social scene. And on September the 14th in VK4, it's the Sunshine Coast Amateur Radio Sunfest at 9am. October 3 to 7, VK4, North Queensland Amateur Radio Convention in Charters Towers. October the 5th in VK4 again, Redfest by the Redcliffe and Districts Radio Club at St Michael's College in Caboolture, 9am. VK3, October 20, Ballarat Amateur Radio Group Hamvention. November the 2nd in VK4, the Gold Coast ARS Hamfest at Albert Waterways Hall. VK5, November 3rd, Hamfest, Adelaide Hills Amateur Radio Society, Goodwood. And November the 15th to 17th in VK3, the Victorian National Parks Weekend. Also in VK3, November 24th, Southern Peninsula Amateur Radio Club, Rosebud, Hamfest. That's all for the social scene, and that's all for us for this week. Yes, so thanks again, Graham, uh, for letting us have the broadcast. Thank you for your ears, thank you for your time, and thank you for having us. And as we always say, we report it. You decide. We've reported, you decide.